Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I hope that wherever and whenever you hear this, you're feeling well and everything's good. Um, I'm back in my apartment. You could probably tell the tone and mood and everything has changed a little bit. <laughs> oh my God, I, I stayed in this hostel that was so... I, I I don't know. It was so bizarre. It was such a bizarre place. And the pictures were so beautiful. And the beds were pretty comfortable, actually. But then the situation with the bully and... She's a random stranger and decided to bully me while I was asleep. You know, it's like, what the hell? And then she uh, decided to go around the room giving everybody permission to also bully me and gave them instructions on how to do so. Thinking I wasn't in the room because I was in my bed slash pod slash extra large death coffin. (laughs) We have these pods and they're like wood and it's like the whole thing. There was like no art. There was no pattern to it. It was just like plywood, but not a pretty plywood it was like a brown (laughs) not even like a cherry like a Brazilian cherry color nothing anyway it was relaxing and restful but this whole hostel was in need of serious serious um I I would have to say damage prevention. It didn't look damaged. It was beautiful. It was a very beautiful place. But every other floorboard, excuse me, every other floorboard was creaking. And, you know, you expect that from old places, but in reality, and I've grown up around, oh, here we go again with this coughing. Oh, but every other... um, floorboard is creaking and and I grew up around people that were in construction my whole life. So I know that when a floorboard is creaking that the joist needs to be tightened. I know that it just needs to be basically nailed down and then it won't creak and squeak anymore. It makes the super loud noises. But when you have one that's out of place and it's starting to make these noises it's going to move and have more mobility. And when it does that, all of the floorboards around it are also going to have mobility issues. And uh, that was the first thing. The second thing was this place was somehow founded or built or renovated by this old lady in a wheelchair. So there's like, this place is so bizarre. Like get this, you're going down the stairs and then you have to go down a wheelchair ramp and then there's more stairs. It's like, what? (laughs) Did she get out of her wheelchair and like crawl down the stairs? I mean, I was in a wheelchair for eight months when I broke my leg. I know what that's like. How the hell did she renovate this place? if she's in a wheelchair and there was an elevator in and get this, when you get to the top floor in the elevator, you have to get out and go around in a circle and then go down eight stairs again. And then below the eight stairs is another wheelchair ramp with a lip uh, at the end of the ramp part. That's two inches. So there's a, a ramp and a drop. The ramp itself was polished you know, so you could really fall good and hurt yourself. 
Oh, and not only that, I did get stuck in the elevator. <laughs> it was like a total death trap. The elevator was so made in such a way that if you weren't paying attention and put your hands on the side of the elevator, your hands would be sucked into the elevator itself and you would sever your limb. Um, there was huge cracks in the glass that got bigger in the 24 hours I used the elevator. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. So after I got trapped in the elevator and I had to go back to the bottom floor and then go down some stairs and then again up some stairs and then down some stairs in order to go up the big huge ass staircase, which was a spiral staircase, but on one end of it, on one side of the spiral staircase, it was about four inches wide, you know, less than half your foot, which means if you use that side to go up the staircase, you're probably going to fall down backwards and break your neck on the staircase. <laughs> and, but then on the other side, you have more than enough room because it's about 12 inches. That's how the stairs were so weird and awkward. It was really beautiful and it was artistic to look at, but it was like, I mean, again, you're creating a situation where all of the, every stair squeaked. You're only using the side with the big parts of the stairs. And um, so the foot traffic is not in the middle or to the left it's always to the right and so you're going to get wear and tear on only half the steps so that's going to create an issue and then the balconies were so loose that if anyone leaned against it they would have fallen to their death as well beautiful as it was it was a death trap <laughs> it was a safety hazard trap at, at you know minimal uh, I mean it was just I, I, the whole situation was so ridiculous and then but the breakfast was spectacular they had um, fruit but they put out the fruit at 7 in the morning and it went until like 11 and if you did not get fruit of your choice oh well they're not going to cut up anymore for the people to get up at you know 8, 9 or 10 or 10.30 it was only for people who got up at seven, I suppose, that ate the good breakfast. I thought that was kind of weird. I thought that was a little petty and they didn't provide hot water or even water to fill your own bottle up with like most hostels in the world do. There was some really weird stuff and petty stuff about this place. Messiah is the name of it, but I hope you guys enjoyed the music from yesterday. I think that the standby me, the sound quality was really bad. But I thought it was hilarious. This guy, he didn't know all the words and he'd slip into Spanish for half of the words he didn't know. And then the rest, he just pretend that's an English word. And he was so cute. Below. His attitude, he was so beautiful and his energy and it was happy. And I, I kind of wanted to say, I want to help you. But then I thought, you know, I don't want to embarrass the guy. And he knows he doesn't know the words, <laughs> but he's saying it anyway with joy. And I thought that was really, really amazing. And something about him sparkled more when I told him that I love Cuban music and because he's from Cuba. And I'm like, why don't you sing Cuban music? Because I love Cuban music. And that's when we got that Cuba, 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 Cuba song. And um, he, he kind of lit up when he was able to sing stuff from his own country. So... I don't know. I thought that was a, it was a cool night. It was different. They um, had this drink. My son wanted to surprise me and he bought us these drinks and they didn't bother to ask him his age. I'm like, oh my God. So it's this Aguardiente from Quito. It's a specific like local made liquor, like the hooch, <laughs> you know, the city hooch basically. And it was the maracuya flavor, which is a passion fruit, which if you smell it, it smells like really bad B.O., but when you taste it, it's very good. It's like um, almost like a mango, but a sour patch kid mixed with a mango. Like it's a little bit sweet, but very, very sour. And it's uh, 
the the seeds it's just like when you open up the fruit you cut the top of the fruit off and then you pour the seeds out it's a really bizarre fruit <laughs> it's very good but it's weird looking it looks like um egg sacs fish egg sacs or eyeballs looking back up at you so my son wanted to surprise me and he bought me this drink i'm like oh my god this is insane and um but i'm like i'm i'm like i'm going to try it you know and so we're trying it and um the seeds are going up the straw and and it was a chewy drink you have to chew the seeds which are actually very good for your digestion and very good for your stomach in fact this is one of the better fruits you can eat if you have um problems with uh h pylori it actually helps to keep that at bay so we were so we were doing that <laughs> drinking the, our drinks and trying to sip it through the straw which was extremely awkward because the seeds would get stuck and then the pulp would get stuck and then we're like watching this performance while trying to manage this drink which was insane and at one point we just looked at each other right at the moment when we were sucking pulp up out of the straw and it for both of us at the same time it flew out of the straw went down our chins went everywhere and we started laughing so hard like i didn't expect he was having as much trouble as i was and he didn't think i was as having as much trouble as he was and we the same exact thing happened at the same time we were laughing so hard like it was such a crazy thing but it was nice to get a little bit relaxed i didn't really even get drunk or tipsy but it was relaxing and it was nice it was nice to know a teeny tiny bit of keto but literally for two whole days all we did was visa related stuff government offices so like yesterday they gave me this paper and they said you need to take it to this address and tell them that you need to pay the fine so i get to the the office in the morning and and she says i got there about 11:30 or something and she says well you have to go across the street to the mall to the bank which is on the zero floor meaning the basement oh, so weird so you have to go to the bank in the basement and pay the fine and then come back to her and i have to give the receipt to one person and then they have to do something with it and then i have to come back to her it was like just bureaucracy upon bureaucracy and so i expected it was going to be $600 i get there and the fine is $788 i'm like oh my god i, I why am i doing this again i'm like all right fine I find, you know, just pay my my multa, you know, which I'm going to have to pay if I leave the country or not. If I didn't pay it and I refuse to pay it, then the penalty for that is you're never allowed back in Ecuador ever again. So, if you do pay it and leave, your penalty is you can't come back for two solid years. <laughs> so I'm like, fine. Oh, I'll pay the fine. <laughs> so I paid the fine, 788, and then I get um get all that taken care of, get my voucher, and I go back to the first government building that scared me. This time didn't scare me as much cuz now, you know, was used to looking at it for 6 hours yesterday. <clears throat> so I go into the building and the people helping us were just so delightful and so lovely. Really, really wonderful people, and we were really grateful that at least they were nice people helping us and um we saw clever again and we saw Heidi was the woman who helped us and then the lawyer who just randomly came over to help us she was there too and she was helping us again and um they got all of our paperwork together and they said well you know what let's uh submit your application now and it's $50 each right now you know to submit it and if you get your visa then you have to pay it which is $400 each so i was like okay great you know so let's do that and i pulled out my money and i had exactly 120 or no 145 that's exactly how much i had in my purse so i gave them 100 and later 5 was to get me to the bus stop and 24 was to get me on the bus cuz obviously now I can't afford to fly back home and plus there were no flights 
So I was on a bus with my son for 10 hours. One hour in which the driver had to get off the bus and beat the side of the bus somehow with some kind of apparatus, some loud clanking metal thing for one hour. And then he got back on the bus and we left again. I don't know what the bus did to deserve such a beating, <laughs> but what, what was that? So weird. But we got home at three in the morning, had a fight right off the bat with a racist taxi driver. He said the minimum way, the minimum taxi fee is $3. I know for a fact it's $1.75. And I remember this guy, he's like one of those taxi drivers that hangs around waiting for the gringos to come so he can lie to them and steal money that doesn't, he doesn't deserve. And he said, and I said, oh, sir, start your meter. You've got to start your meter trying to help the guy. And he says, no, it's minimum $3. I'm like, oh, you're not going to run the meter and you're going to tell me that it's a minimum of $3. I go, oh no, the minimum is $1.75 here at night. I live here. I've been here for almost two whole years. Uh, you know, I know the rules. I know the law. That's the law for the whole country, actually. And he was just like, get out of my, ta- get out of my taxi. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm like, with pleasure, bye. You know, I don't like racist people. You see my white skin and assume you could steal my money. Like, what the hell's that about? So, my son picked the taxi driver. I told you guys that I, I, I said a prayer to the universe, like, that I would never get another taxi that would be with the racist driver ever again. And, and I've had very good luck with that. Actually, it's never happened. Um, not even in Quito, nowhere, you know, except when now tonight, my son picked the tag taxi and I wasn't really paying attention. And I know this guy that I, I, I remember that this guy did the same thing to me before I go, you know what, if I was drinking in a bar right now and when the bars close at two in the morning, I know that the minimum is still a dollar 75. So you stop lying to me, you know, you're just, you're a liar. And then, um, another taxi driver picked us up and he said, well, it's nighttime. So the minimum is $2. I went, Oh my God, not twice in a row. I go, no, honey, it's a dollar 75. Don't forget to start your meter. I go, I live here. I, I, I've been here a long time. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he went along with it. Like, all right. You know, it was still kind of a long ride. It was like almost $3 anyway, but uh, it's just like when you're down and out and you're really, 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 really tired and you've just been through like this massive harrowing ordeal is when people just really want to F with you. You know, <laughs> it's the old prince, ye old principle, kick a man when he's down because there's just no better time. <laughs> uh, Anyway, I'm sad to have left those comfortable beds, but I'm really glad to be away from that whole place was insane. There was a ghost that went by my bed and it went like the shadow of it went like near my curtain. And then I'm like, is that a ghost? And then it went near my curtain again, the opposite direction. I went, hi, hi. I go, you know, I'm going to rest. I'll take care of you later. <laughs> and in the morning, that ghost woke me up by grabbing me really hard and kind of shaking me. And he said, did you get our money? And that woke me up. And I, I was like, what the hell, you know, where's my purse? Oh my God, grab my purse <laughs> with all my money to pay because you can't pay your fines with the visa card. Oh no, no. You have to pay them cash. I was walking around. I mean, I was on flights. I was in taxis. I was in the hotel with like a thousand dollars in my purse <sighs> the whole time. It was so stressful, you know, <laughs> now I'm back to my, you know, just under 20. 
but I was just like, oh my god, this is like my money to pay for my, you know, I thought maybe they would say there's a multa, you know, like a fine for like $160. I didn't think it would be more than that each. And it turns out that multa that I paid was not even for both of us. It was only for me because a child could never be fined. <laughs> and so when I got home and I started to prepare for the show, it dawned on me that the amount of money I gave to the Ecuadorian government in the past 24 hours was $888.888. I don't know, that's got to be significant somehow. Just like yesterday when I couldn't charge my phone, I had it plugged in for two hours and it remained on 33% until I recognized it was on 33 And then all of a sudden it went up to 38 And I don't know what that was about. I... I, uh, after I, after that ghost woke me up in the morning, I actually did a scan for the whole place. I found 29 trapped spirits there. So I did a ceremony and when I released them, like the electricity and tingling went from my feet all the way up through my head. And it was like this mass release. I was like, well, that might actually help this place. (laughs) It might help it. But it was weird. It was like there was several rooms that were eight-bed dorms. And in each of them, there were two shower stalls in the bathroom area. It was like two shower stalls, a changing place where you change your clothes with giant windows that are open and all the neighbors on the hill can look at you changing your clothes. And then there's one bathroom, like one toilet for every eight beds. And, um, and then there was a, uh, and then the sink was away from the toilet in another room, in the changing room. So you could brush your teeth while someone else is going to the bathroom, which, you know, makes sense. But it was very, it was set up very awkwardly. It was like, you know, when one person's in there changing clothes, you have to walk through there to see them changing clothes on the way to the shower or on the way to the toilet. It was very awkward. It was very strange it was mixed bed dorms I always stay in mixed bed dorms I don't mind staying in a room with men and women together it's like whatever but you know but the snoring issue the guy above me he was snoring so it wasn't as bad and if I snored too loud he would just like roll over and it would wake me up and I would stop and (laughs) he would snore and I'd roll over and he would stop and it was like kind of ridiculous and he left at 5 30 in the morning to go do a um tour of some sort but anyway So that's how I spent my uh, summer solstice, which here in this half of the world is actually winter solstice. So all of my lovely plans I had to take you guys with me, at least in an ASMR way, to the Otavalo Market did not work out, and to take you guys to the the other, uh, the middle of the world. I was going to do a ceremony of some kind. I don't know what I was going to do, but I was going to maybe try to, you know, see if there's jewelry or crystal or something that I could buy there that would have the energy of balance because that's the middle of the world that's the point and place of balance but I didn't get to have any kind of balance in the last two days I felt uh, dizzy and weird like the whole time I was there the high elevation I think and also just the stress of trying to get the fines. And now I have to go back in two weeks to actually pay for the visa. And I think they're going to give it to me. And they're like, well, you need to have, you need to have a background check from the state of California. I'm like, I haven't seen California in six years. So why would that be? And they're like, well, you can't do a background check from the places you were at. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So it was just weird. It's just, they have these, they have to have the paperwork just right, but it looks like we're getting our visas anyway. They said, you know, when you come back, we're going to have everything together. We'll have a decision then, but you know, it's the way it is. So anyway, um, my higher guidance tells me that we are 99 on the Ascension symptom scale today in the past 24 hours. Um, so I don't know. It's like, I feel part of it was I was dizzy and kind of dingy from being at a higher elevation. 
<laughs> probably the tone and the way I'm speaking is probably a lot different um, as far as, you know, I'm exhausted, but I'm a lot more mentally clear when I'm not at like <laughs> a million feet above sea level. <laughs> I mean, I'm already pretty high elevation. People can and do start to get altitude sickness um, about a thousand feet lower than where I'm at right now. I'm at like 8,400 feet, but in Quang, I mean, in Quito, it's like almost 10,000 feet. It's pretty high up there, and I I want to be able to walk the way I normally walk, which is pretty fast and with purpose, <laughs> and. It was just ridiculous. And then carrying all of our backpacks and stuff, you know, um, because we had to check out the hostel and then go do the government thing. And so we're lugging around these giant, giant waters. And when you're at high elevation and plus it's hot and humid and you're sweating constantly. And so you're losing water in every moment. And so you could get dehydrated really, really fast, which also leads to further um, altitude sickness. So it was just and just trying to deal with all of that. And I don't think we, we ate breakfast. And then last night, oh, we had Seco de Chivo. Um, there's in, in Ecuador, there's all these dishes called Seco, the Seco's. And it's a special sauce. It literally means dry, but it's literally the, the meat is marinated in this incredible sauce that is extraordinary and last night we were in heaven the, the meal we had the best meal it was huge for eight dollars and it was just this huge huge salad just a normal you know like lettuce tomato onion with um a maracuya dressing and avocado i mean th- that restaurant honestly the restaurant was impressive for that place and um, the coffee was horrible. I couldn't believe it, it was normal coffee. It wasn't, it, it wasn't even all that great. <laughs> and then they had the nerve to charge $8 for half a pound. <laughs> I'm like, this is not, this is Ecuador. The coffee should be better than that. But I didn't complain about it. I just, I was grateful just to have what I had, to be honest with you. But um with the Seco de Chivo. Chivo means lamb. I didn't even know that. And so I was really happy to have Seco de Chivo. So the joke is that they say Seco. Seco means dry. But it's the opposite of dry. It's like a, this sauce is so amazing. And it's a different flavor for whatever the, the dish is that you have. But the Secos are so good. And the Secos and the Seco de Pollo in Peru is incredible. And if you get Seco de Pollo from the north of Peru, it's a completely different dish than from the southern part. So, I don't know. I I love the food down here. The food is really good. So, I followed that with the Maracuya hooch drink. It was fun and challenging to drink, but it was nice. It was a nice drink. All right. So as far as the Schumann residence goes, though, um, it says at 1700, they only had the evening report this time. It says today's activity shows moderately scattered peaks. The maximum amplitude was 25 hertz at 1430 UTC. Not at all bad. Not bad at all. You know, it's at least we're not being pushed in that <laughs> direction. Um, all right. Let's see here. I had, oh, I'm so tired. Forgive me, guys, for yawning. Oh, my gosh. I had a lesson 13, and, of course, Miracle's queued up, but my phone is on 15%. You can imagine, you know, eight-hour bus ride, and there's um, there was free Wi-Fi in the bus. I couldn't believe we had, actually, for the most part, we had pretty good Wi-Fi. I wish I could have seen the countryside, but we left at 530 at night. Now, and something that's really sweet about the bus terminals um, are there dogs everywhere and they're stray dogs but they hang out because people feed them and they're the sweetest animals and so when I left Quito this dog came and just kind of laid next to me and laid down and put his head on my foot and I'm like aww so I was petting the puppy <laughs> and then I went in and washed my hands because he was a very dirty dog and then um when I got back here, the sweetest dog was there too. 
So it was nice to be loved by random strangers <laughs> in in the form of puppies, dogs. The one that was um, waiting, as soon as our bus rolled up, he, he was asleep and he got up and he stretched out and he just he just stood there and he waited for anyone at all to greet him. And everybody completely ignored him, but I did not. And I went and told him I loved him and he had such a beautiful and happy look on his face. And, you know, it's just people don't pay attention enough to animals, let alone stray animals. And if I wasn't seriously allergic to dogs, I would be like, hey, yeah, you know, why don't you come live with me, buddy? (laughs) You know, even... I even would do that if I had a way to like make a bed for them outside and make it very warm and comfortable. I would totally do that. Huh, like a chicken coop for dogs. Oh my God. I'm very sleepy. It's like 411 <laughs> right now. A Course in Miracles uh, workbook, lesson 13. The first sentence is a meaningless world engenders fear. A meaningless world engenders fear. So, I don't know, just skipping down several paragraphs, it says, Detachment from all the meanings I have given the world is my pathway to freedom and happiness. On the empty slate made clean with willingness to step back, the reality of love has a chance to enter. And then with the reality of love comes peace and joy. These blessings return that return with stepping back from giving meaning to everything, make it worth the effort. The undoing process is worth the effort. And it goes on to talk about being in competition with God, which we all are when we're trying to give meaning to something that's meaningless. But you have to go for yourself to read it. (laughs) If you guys are feeling inclined to do it, I highly, highly, highly recommend A Course in Miracles. Okay, so I have no idea what's happening. I just got a bunch of like... I just got a bunch of my, on my little phone, I got a bunch of uh, articles talking about people being killed, which is very weird because I don't normally read, I don't ever read articles like this. So suddenly it's like picking these random articles. See, maybe they're trying to make me give the world meaning. (laughs) I'm not falling for it. I just deleted it. So, um... Yeah, oh, I'm so tired, guys. I have no idea what I'm going to do the rest of the show on, but I'm going to come up with something. I had made something in my mind in the bus, and then I forgot it, so I need to go meditate for a few minutes, and then I'm going to get this out before 5 a.m., and I'm sorry for all of you who do listen to this nightly as a way to fall asleep, and you like the energy of the show, and... I'm so grateful that I could be there for you. And I'm sorry this time I was a couple hours late, three hours at this point. Anyway, I'll be right back after this message. Hey, I remember what I was going to talk to you guys about. (laughs) yesterday was the summer solstice it's the winter solstice here it is the longest day of the year where the sun is shining the brightest and the longest as opposed to the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere where it shines the least but even though we are in winter here, it's pretty hot. Like, it gets not hot, hot. Depends on what city you're in. I mean, in the, on the coast, it can be hot. But in Quito, it was hot, but then there's also a nice cold wind. 
So it's like you're hot and then you're cold and you're hot and you're cold. And it's like also humid at the same time. It was really lovely, actually. It was a very beautiful city and the weather was great, but you have to get used to that humidity, boy. Not really humid, but more humid than what I'm used to. <laughs> I'm used to it being Seiko, actually Seiko, <laughs> actually dry out, you know, but, um, so yesterday is the main day for Inti Raimi and Inti Raimi is the longest, uh, cultural standing, um, festival to honor Tahiti Inti, which is, he is the, um, Incan sun god, basically the sun, Padre Sol, the sun who shines upon all of us and brings us life in the way in which he allows food to grow. So this is in conjunction in the Andes mountains. And when I say the Andes, I mean all the way up and down South America in where it used to be called and still is referred to the Incan empire. So all the way from Cusco, even in Bolivia, you know, south of Peru into Bolivia and all the way up to, um, well, parts of Venezuela actually were the Incan empire out of all the empires in the ancient world. Um, this one was the largest. So, oh, excuse me. So this is the festival of the sun basically. And there's four, major festivals that are celebrated throughout all of the Andes communities and cultures, no matter what country is, um, you're in, they all celebrate this specifically. So this is a throwback to the days of the Incan empire, which obviously the Incan empire does not exist any longer, but there's a lot of people that have Incan blood where the Incans spread far and wide and, they conquered a lot of the smaller tribes, but they gave them gold and they, you know, wasn't a hundred percent a bad thing, but I don't know. Is it ever a good thing when your people are conquered? I mean, <laughs> we were doing just fine until y'all came along. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I have mixed feelings of, of it. Mostly I think conquering other people is bad, like 98% bad. You know, my, um, ex and I, he's actually part Incan and he has just still in his family passed down generations, still very angry at the, um, Spanish conquistadors. And I wanted to go into a church and he went with me, but he was really upset. Didn't want to be in there, you know, cause it's a church built by the Spaniards like five or 600 years ago. And the church itself was gorgeous. And, but the churches are all combined in Peru with magic. So I went in there and there was a little, a bizarre little thing. And I prayed, you know, like to God in front of this thing. But it was, it said Fortuna, the goddess Fortuna. But it was like a little tiny woman about two feet tall it was like a little statuette made from like, it looked like paper mache and it was made to look like a real human. <laughs> it was really, 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 really bizarre. But if you need fortune in your life, you go pray to this little statue, I guess, or you pray in front of the statue to get the energy of it. So I prayed to God, not to like a statue, obviously, but my, my ex-boyfriend is really mad. He's like, He's like, I can't stand being in here. And I told him, I go, I know that, I mean, I'm like, I was against that too. You know, obviously anyone conquering another people is wrong, I think. But, but I said, look at, look at what it is bringing to the city now. It's nothing that they ever expected would happen. They came here to take over your people. They came over to subjugate your people and steal your gold. They came here to hurt you. But now, who's laughing now? 600 years later, 
Some of the people have Spanish blood in them. Uh, my good friend Jonathan from Colombia, he's got a lot of Spanish blood, but he's mixed. He's got two or three races in, in his blood, you know, and um, everyone is kind of jumbled up here, which is good. It's a good thing because everyone, for the most part, accepts everybody else. I love that. But um, I said, but you got to imagine that they didn't expect that 600 years later, for the most part, the conquistadors are gone. And now people are coming from all over the world to look at these super old churches. And what that's doing is it's bringing economy to your city. It's boosting your uh, people's ability, you know, I, you know, not your people, but like everybody in Lima, pretty much Limeñas, they call them. It, it pretty much it helps all of Lima. It helps the culture and it helps the, you know, the, the um, conversation can start because tourists are coming and now they're seeing the effects of the conquistadors good and bad I mean the good is there's some gorgeous architectural structures that weren't there before but obviously the bad was the memory of it oh goodness I'm trying to get get through the show but anyway um, I started I helped him to see it in a different view I'm like oh and trust me you know that statue downtown of Christopher Columbus Cristobal Colon is his real name Everyone calls him Christopher Columbus, but it's really his name is Cristobal, like Cristobal almost. Colon. <laughs> yeah, like the thing in your gut. Cristobal Colon, that's his real name. I said, believe you me, if I could, I would, I would take a cannon and shoot that statue's head off. I don't think the city would even change it. I think they would leave it like that if someone did that because there's a pretty general sentiment in um, Peru that they just still hate the conquistadors you know it's there's not anyone who's ever said oh I'm so happy they came you know (laughs) Um, so there's especially in Peru there's a lot of um, mistrust of strangers at least in a lot of the people that I met not everybody you know but a lot of cities I went to like um in, um, oh my gosh, I can't even think of it. The city right on the Lake Titicaca, the people were very, except for one lady who told me a Snickers bar would cost me $60. And she was just being super mean to me and she was really old. And then her daughter came the next day to the same shop. And I said, how much is this candy bar? And she says, it's $40. I go, yeah, you guys are just being racist. Did you know that? That's being racist. And she said, well, my grandmother told me to say that to white people. I'm like, well, that's a racist thing, honey. It's not good. And I and she was really young, like a teenager. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. I go, well, I'm not going to buy anything from your store because you're a racist store. But if I tell you this, maybe you can understand. You know, I'm here to spend my money, but not to be lied to and taken advantage of and she's like oh (laughs) but in her city except for her little store and she was okay I think probably she would never do that again after we had the conversation I was very loving and sweet to her because she was just very naive but her grandmother was really mean and rude and I can understand the general mistrust of strangers but when your whole city is now a tourist city because it's interesting but that city right on Lake Titicaca was so, except for her, everybody I met in that place was so sweet and so loving. We met a group of kids. They wouldn't let us go. They wanted to hug us and talk to us, and they were really interested. They're like, they were like, the gringos are here. The gringos are here. And we just, we just hung out with them and held their hands and walked around in this marketplace with them. And very sweet little kids, innocent lovely beautiful children you know they weren't like trying to rob us or pickpocket us which is what we've encountered in some other places other countries and other cities but these kids were genuinely just very open-minded and sweet and loving and the parents too and you know around the Lake Titicaca area I've 
I had a really good um, vibe there in that part of Incan Empire. But um, but anyway, yeah. So yesterday is the hallmark day for the Inti Raimi festivals, and in Cuenca, where I live, this is the first time in hundreds of years that they're going to start to celebrate Inti Raimi again. They had not celebrated it since the Inca, uh, since the Incan um, people left. So what had happened, which I, I mentioned a few times already on the show, but the people had, like normal tribal folk were here, and then the Kenyari tribe wanted to make an empire, and they took over a huge part of Ecuador, and then the Incans came and took over everything. And then after the Incans, it was the Spanish conquistadors. So you have layers upon layers upon layers of culture on top of other cultures and then laying over their stuff on other cultures. So it's all um, layers and sediment (laughs) of various um, cultures and beliefs that were, for the most part, I think pretty similar, but everyone had their own unique and individual take on things. So in this city, this is the one time in which it's uh, quite a bit, you know, like, like it's been a long time. Now they're like going to do it. And in Otavalo in the marketplace, I didn't even know this. I had wanted to go. They are there for three weeks. They started a week ago. So for the next two weeks, the Otavalo festival is still going on with the festival of the sun moving on. And then during the festival of the sun, because there's so much harvest of the beautiful fruits because of the sun, there's also an honoring going on of mother earth. So it's like father, son and mother earth. And so in a way it's in, um, extends to honoring mothers and fathers as well. So the, Pachamama or Mother Earth, she's also loved at this time. And she's also um, honored, like, you know, there's festivals upon festivals at this time. And it's a really incredible, really incredible time to be in South America, to be honest. And the masks that they wear for Inti Raimi are so fun. I almost bought one. <laughs> it's they look like ski masks and they're hand knit with really thick cable knit um, stitches. So I think that's a tradition. And this hat is it's like something that you would want to wear to have a really trippy experience if you wanted to drop acid. If everyone in the room had a mask like this, it would really, you'd be tripping balls. (laughs) These masks are like, they come in any color, like green or pink or, and when I say pink, I mean hot neon pink or green or purple. They're very colorful masks. And I was thinking they'd also be good for gay pride because what it is, is it's like there's a handle for the nose. So it's a ski mask, but that's the handles over where your nose would be. And you can use that to take the mask off maybe, or it's just meant to look silly and fun and fabulous. And it's, um, it's, it's kind of weird that this is also during pride month. So I super love this, but, um, the mask has on top of its head across from ear to ear, these little nubs (laughs) and every single one of them is a different color of the rainbow. So, I mean, again, these would be like super good for gay pride parade, but when you put this on and then there's like, it's just this wild, amazing, colorful mask. And, but it's just like, it's just like a ski mask (laughs) with these rainbow colors and you could get all kinds of of them. And so what happened, like today, I saw one Inti Raimi festival starting to take place in, in like a parade for Inti Raimi was happening when we're in a cab on the way to the government building. So we got to see a little bit of it, but there were dancers and they were dancing and then there were, there were other people playing musical instruments. I think I saw some drums and flutes. And I think there was maybe other musical instruments that I couldn't quite 
register because we drove by pretty quick. But um, so the men and the women are dancing and everyone has anti Raimi masks. So these brightly amazing, amazing colorful masks. And they're just dancing. They're just celebrating because it's a big, huge celebration that the sun has returned. We have a huge sun and, and it's like, it's been, it's going to be here all day long, longer than any other day of the year. And the mother earth beneath our feet just gave us food that would assure that we have another year left to live. So these festivals aren't just about a tradition that's long past or a religion or tribal people that have eventually fallen to the wayside. And, you know, it's not just, it's just not, it's not like, well, this is our culture, so we're going to do this, but we don't have connection to it. People still have a connection to the sun. They still have a connection to the earth, especially Well, throughout all of the Incan Empire, rather, but Ecuador is really, um, you people mean it, you know, they don't just dance around in masks because, hey, check us out, we look like drunken idiots in masks or whatever, you know, like I've seen parades in the United States where that's pretty much all it is, and it's fun, just great deal of revelry, but in the, um, in the, you know, sun you know, honoring the sun God and mother earth is it's sacred. It's still sacred. It's still honored as being sacred, even though the greater majority of people are Catholic and they have their religion. The roots are intact. (laughs) The tree of ritual and celebration has not fallen over. The roots are still here. So I find that to be very special something very lovely and special about South America. So people have displays of massive amounts of fruit and vegetables, like the cornucopia idea um, at this time. It's a time of harvest of of all the fruits, even though we're in winter. (coughs) This is the time where we have um, a little bit less rain and a little bit more sun. And um, so people honor the Inti Raimi by wearing the masks and dancing and wearing bright colored clothes. And I think I saw the men wearing um, either loincloths or skirts, like grass skirts, but they're also painted with colorful stuff. And they just dance and dance and dance around. And even though people don't do traditional stuff every single day that they don't live it like the men and women don't dress like the tribal people of the past you know they you know they're doctors and lawyers and you know motorcycle drivers and you know just everyday people but their connection to the earth is always there it's always present and something I've noticed about Ecuadorian people seem to be very friendly and very sweet and loving because they're so connected at least maybe it's from my mind this is how it is but who's to say I mean maybe they're all on drugs I'm just kidding they're not on drugs actually this is a conservative nation as far as the other um, you know as far as like like when I went to Peru everyone had a little packet of coke on them cocaine like oh it's just our culture so it's normal for us you know, at the end of the day, we'll take a sniff. And it's like, what? I don't think that's true. But I did meet several people that were like that. And they'd say, well, it's time to walk. What do you mean walk? You know, walk, walk and talk. And then they pull out marijuana and then everyone gets in a pack of people walking around and passing the joint around. So if one of you gets in trouble, you all get in trouble. (laughs) You all get in trouble together. (laughs) so but there's a general sense of we have to love the earth we have to love the sun we have to feel grateful for everything that we have 
And everyone is always talking in the Latino world about everything being tranquila. We want it, everything to be tranquil, peaceful. We want things to be okay. We want everyone to be all right. It's a constant um, goal for people to live in an all right, harmony-filled world. And I feel like the Inti Raimi honoring the sun god and, you know, basically the sun and Pachamama honoring the earth, it makes people feel very, very connected to not only each other, but also to the earth and the sun and each other and the greater cosmos at large. I feel like people are very, very connected here in a way that people just aren't in other places. At least I know from my country, I don't really, you know, I met little kids that didn't know that fruit came from trees. And then that really shocked me. Like, how do you not know that? But I just went, you know, to, you know just, well, let's, let's, well, where does this come from? This comes from a bush. You know, I just go on to teach, teach them, you know, like a lot of people just living in industrialized nations are not connected to where the food source comes. You know, where does your food come from? Where was that orange that you're eating? Where was that grown? Do you know what piece of land it was grown on? I mean, usually no one knows that, but if you know the region it came from, And one thing I love about the open air markets here is that you meet the farmers. They harvest their fruit or vegetables and they bring it to town and you meet them directly or you meet their wives or their cousins or their sisters or whoever's running the booth (laughs) with the food in it. But there's like a connection, a deep, strong, beautiful connection. And I've heard the words Pachamama all the way from... Mexico and Guatemala all the way down through Peru. I've even met Chileans talk about it. So Pachamama is a huge concept that's extremely important and it's at the core of mostly all of the Latina cultures that I've encountered being um, close to Mother Earth and loving Mother Earth. She's so special. She's so important. You know, like I, I've only in new age or hippie communities heard these kinds of words in my country, in you know, in my original country, I should say. I'm in the process of becoming a naturalized citizen in Ecuador. I want to know what the process is and what it feels like for people doing this in my country. Because I'm in, a, you know, I came from a country of immigrants, so um, it's hard. Obviously, it's hard. It's expensive. It's time-consuming. It's all-consuming at some points. I think it's worth it in the end. So, remember what I was telling you guys yesterday about trusting the universe? My whole spiel about that, when I was waiting at the um, government building yesterday... We met a couple, and the man for 20 years has done these huge music production shows from around the world, and he's Venezuelan, and he has interviewed the Rolling Stones and, um, I don't know, gosh, I can't remember now. Anyway, but all these super, super, super famous bands. He has put together um, these huge, for the Latino world. So he's like interviewed these bands in, you know, and then had everything translated to Spanish. And then that's like, becomes a newsreel that goes throughout the Latino world. And I can't believe I met this guy yesterday. And, you know, the day before I met a fashion designer who's going to Los Angeles to do a fashion show. And he was going to Quito that day to do a fashion show. He had a design in a mixed fashion show where a bunch of designers throw a fashion show. And um, today on the way back in the bus, 
I met the second to the mayor here in Cuenca. So he's not the mayor, but if something happens in the mayor, he becomes the mayor. And he was a very sweet person. And he was, he became a naturalized citizen in the United States. And he lived there for many, many years. And then he came back and now he's serving in public office. He's also a lawyer and really sweet guy. Like, wow, I can't believe I met this guy. And he told me he decided to get into politics. And then he says, well, you know, I have the right not to be lazy. So, you know. And I couldn't believe he quoted the Constitution here. You have the right not to be lazy. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be lazy. That's frowned upon. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love that so much. It's one of my favorite parts of the of the Ecuadorian Constitution because it's kind of confusing. You have the right not to be lazy. So... Anyway, uh, tomorrow is the Intubami Festival here in Cuenca again. It was yesterday and today. I can't believe we missed so much of it. We saw just a little parade. That's all. But it's important for us to become naturalized citizens here in Ecuador so we can continue our beautiful life here. And, and learning about the other cultures is so incredibly fascinating that we haven't we haven't been bored with it yet. We've been just more and more fascinated. The more and more we get into it, the more and more we like about it. You know, I feel I had a past life here, so I feel like really comfortable. In my past life, I was also Irish, but I had settled here not too far from Cuenca in my memories that I was here and that I loved it. I really, really loved it here. It's so free and so open and people are so beautiful and so sweet. I mean, when I say beautiful, I mean their hearts are wide open like a beautiful flower, you know. And plus the fruits and the coffee and the chocolate and the roses and all the flowers, rather. Just, it's really beautiful here. So we're celebrating life. We're celebrating food. We're celebrating the sun and the, and the Mother Earth beneath our feet and the Father's Son above our heads. Padre Sol and Pachamama. This is a big celebration. So I hope that you guys can take a few moments wherever you are, whatever country you're in. Just take a few moments and, and give thanks and feel grateful. It's pretty much a gratitude festival when you think about it. It's just about having love in your heart for the things that provide for your needs every day. And I don't know, I find, I find it to be very incredibly impressive and very sweet. You know, taking time for gratitude every day is very important. So anyway, I am fading fast, guys. It's almost five in the morning. I am so sorry for those of you in the West Coast that expect me to be on time by midnight or 1 a.m. And now I'm like 3 a.m. It's so late. Anyway, I love each and every one of you. I'm glad you're part of the show. You're part of my listening audience. Many of you are becoming friends um, that send me messages to metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com. I am really grateful to have you on this ride with me. You know, we're all just trying to keep on keeping on in this world. And now during the ascension, which is like crazy, like right now my my ears are filled with tinnitus. It's like <laughs> constantly and my my mind is getting foggy and I'm I'm very tired though. So I'm going to take a nap <laughs> for the next 8 to 12 hours. <laughs> Maybe sleep off some of these um <laughs> sleep off some of these ascension symptoms. And then I'm going to get up and maybe go downtown and look at the Inti Raimi festivals. It's such a beautiful time here. And wherever you are on the earth though, you can have your own Inti Raimi festival. You can make 
art with colored rainbow um, designs. Anything that's rainbow, just every color of the rainbow. And um, again, you, you know, an anti Raimi mask really does would would indeed double for a <laughs> for something you could wear to gay pride. And I think I actually last year when I was in the gay pride parade, I think I did see a couple people wearing the anti Raimi masks. So anyway, just give thanks for the food you have for the sun above your head, the grass beneath your feet, even if it's concrete beneath your feet, the earth beneath that. You know, we're all we're all um, always trying to get ahead and striving to do things um, that really have no meaning. <laughs> Just so we could get paper money, which also has no meaning. So that we could go buy food we could have picked directly from the tree if we had one. It all seems very tedious and rat racy to me, but I think it's all changing. I think it's coming. Huge change. The revolution is on the wind and it's on our way. It's on its way to us and we are on our way. Anyway, I love each and every one of you, but now I'm so tired, I've got to sign off. So I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.